0: sign up for the Discover Your Mission tier at patreon.com slash patchworkheartministry today.
1: Welcome to the Sewing Hope Podcast. This is a show all about implanting hope in our hearts. I'm Bill Snyder, joined by my friend Anne DeSantis. We're glad you're here for our uplifting conversation about faith and how it sustains our hearts through all the seasons of life. Thanks for walking with us. And good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Sewing Hope podcast. I am Bill Snyder. It's great to be with you this morning. And as always, I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Andy Santis. Uh, It's a beautiful morning here in Wisconsin, and uh, I don't know about Philadelphia, but we'll find out uh, shortly here. Welcome, Andy. And uh, good morning to you. Oh, good
2: morning. Good morning, everyone. It's great to be here. And as Bill said, I mean, it is a beautiful morning
1: here, too. (laughs) Very good. (laughs) Very good. And I know we have a great guest uh, for people as well. So uh, why don't you uh, tell us who our wonderful guest is for today?
2: We are so blessed. And I welcome Mickey Skiba coming to us from just outside Dallas, Texas. She's a catechetical specialist with the St. Philip Institute And if you'd like to learn about the St. Philip Institute, you go to stphilipinstitute.org. Now, there's only one L, I believe, in in Philip for the the website. You can Google it, too. But welcome, Nikki. Thank thank you so much.
3: Oh, I'm so honored to be here. Um, Talking about ministry and God and faith um, is a passion of mine. So I feel very honored and blessed.
2: We are, too. And we'd love to hear your story. You're, you're so enthusiastic about your faith. We were just talking right before the show started that really your faith started uh, in early life. I mean, you knew what you wanted to do even in high school, that you wanted to serve the Lord in ministry. So please tell us more.
3: Absolutely. Uh, so I grew up a cradle Catholic, but um, and my family was very faithful in the sense of like, we're going to go to church every Sunday. That's what we do. Um, that's sort of like our obligation to God. And so I always grew up Catholic, believing in God. The Believing whether or not God existed was never a struggle for me. But whether or not he existed really didn't play any part in my life or change decisions I made. Although I was still a pretty good kid, I don't have any really crazy stories because I was very scared of the alternative to heaven. <laughs> so I tried to make really great choices. And, um, but yeah, I just, uh, having a relationship with God was not a priority of mine, nor really something that I thought about. I was like, I'm just going to follow the rules, do what I'm supposed to do. And hopefully that's good enough at the end. And, uh, I remember my cousin tried to invite me to youth group once I got in high school and I was not interested. I said, I do Sunday. I do my Sunday thing. You know, go to church on Sunday, so then I'm good, good for the rest of the week. But he was very persistent, and um, I finally decided I'll go. I'm convinced I'm going to hate it, but at least I'll go and tell him I'm not going to go back, Uh, and I didn't hate it. There was something very unique about the individuals there. There wasn't the drama that I had gotten caught up with sort of in my high school um, friend's There's just a peace and a joy that existed there. And I was attracted to that. I hadn't learned any theology in the few times that I went, but there was something different about the environment. So I continued to go back and became really good friends with um, this family, the Lovelady family. And there was a, a girl there who was a year older than I was. Her name was Katie. And when I was a junior, she was a senior, she was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And I had never, and my grandpa had passed away a few years before that, but I didn't get to see him sick. Um, he died from a stroke and, or a heart attack. So I didn't see him suffer. You know, one day he was alive, the next day he wasn't. Uh, but with my friend Katie, um, it was a very aggressive form of cancer. So we, we saw her life fading in front of our eyes. And our youth group had built amazing, um, opportunities around prayer, like we would go to adoration on Friday nights. And then after that, go back to um, someone's house and uh, play capture the flag. Uh, And that's what I did. I just for in during high school, we just spent time together praying and really enjoying good fellowship. But when our friend Katie got sick, we just rallied around her and her family. And we would spend our weekends just praying the rosary at her house uh, with her and her family reminiscing about old youth group antics, you know, and retreats that we went to. And uh, and I remember the, the night before she passed away, we were all at her house um, praying with her and her family. And she was too weak to come out into the living room. So she was in her bedroom. So her parents were calling us into her room one by one. And because the cousin who is very persistent in getting me to go to youth group Uh, We were always together. And so she called us both in together. And I remember going into her room and I had never seen anyone labor so hard to just breathe. And that caught me by surprise. And I was like, wow, I've never seen anyone struggle so much just to take a breath. And uh, her parents whispered in her ear. They said, "Um, they're here. And she turned her head toward us and she said, I love you and continued to go back to trying to breathe. And I went back into the living room and I was just something, it was the Holy Spirit. I didn't really realize it at the time, just came over me. And I was, so I guess two very powerful things happened to me that night. One is that I couldn't believe that someone would literally spend their last breath telling me and my friends, I love you Uh, and how selfless it was. I mean, she endured her suffering with so much grace and I was athletic and into sports and um, I would get upset if I wasn't a starter at the game on Friday (laughs) and, uh, and here she was a young teenage girl and her, she was losing her life, but she had this joy about her and this peace about her. And she never stopped talking about the goodness of God. And I didn't get it. I didn't understand it. I said, how how can she have that? And then when I see her use her last energies on the people around her to say, I love you. uh, In that moment, I felt worse. not because of anything great that I did, but because of the value she placed on us. And then um, through her, I really, very clearly heard God say, "I love you." So it's like He was speaking to me through her words, and and I um, I had never experienced. I mean, I had received the Eucharist and all the sacraments, but for some reason, the idea of it being connected to God's love was not a connection I had made. And in that moment, my everything changed and I'm like, wow, I am, I am loved by God and his presence in people's lives actually changes the way they handle everything. And I saw that with my friend Katie and I remember going back into the living room and I think I prayed my first real prayer for the first time ever. I mean, I would say that our father really fast at night. Um, just to get my religious obligation finished. But it didn't really mean much to me. Uh, and so this is, I think, my first real prayer. I remember kneeling down, um, tears are streaming down my eyes, and I just said, Lord, I don't, I don't really know what she has, but I want that. I want that even in the face of suffering, that there's joy. Even in the midst of chaos, there's peace. And I knew that it existed because I saw it in her. Uh, I knew that it was possible and I feel like he's, he kind of said to me like, all right, well, hang on. Cause we're going to go for a ride. <laughs> so, uh, so that night I, I just, I felt God calling me like, this is what I want you to do. I want you to be, uh, my hands and my feet and my words to the people around you. And because my life was changed dramatically in high school through that experience. Um, my initial desire was to work with high school kids. I wanted to be a youth minister. So that set me on my trajectory for um, where I've been and what I'm doing, kind of what led me to where I am uh, and getting involved in ministry. So I went to Benedictine College, majored in uh, religious studies, philosophy, and youth ministry, and worked as a youth minister for a little bit. And then I was a high school teacher, theology teacher for 11 years. And then ended up um, in Tyler by the grace of God. And, uh, and there's so many other stories I have in the process. I mean, God's hand is over everyone's lives, you know, but when we open, when we open our eyes to see that we can see God's hand guiding our lives into um, situations and introducing us to people that, that change us. And so that's really, that's really changed my life. I want to be like a Katie to somebody else. And she was like Jesus to me. So basically, I just want to be Jesus to other people. And I have not once thought about doing anything different.
1: Wow, Um, that's a powerful story. That's a really powerful story.
3: (laughs) Yeah, Uh, I think I told you before we went on that I feel like God had to speak to me in very large ways. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes.
2: Oh, my gosh. Yeah, (laughs) bringing tears to my eyes, hearing the story, and just imagining Katie's love and, and God's love and how it made an effect on you. I'm, I'm sure it had an effect on others, too, that were there with you that day that she went to the Lord. Uh,
3: absolutely. Her dad's a deacon now in the church, and um, even though I live about four hours away from my hometown now, when I see them, it's just reuniting with family. I mean, it's uh, it's beautiful, and um, yeah, it was just, it was very profound. So I'm so grateful for that experience, and so grateful for her witness, and I try to live that, you know, joy in the midst of suffering and uh, peace in the midst of chaos, but I'm, you know, I tell people I'm a work in progress.
1: <laughs> well, you know, one of the, one of the things I think uh, you know, and uh, having worked in ministry myself and in in uh, in youth ministry specifically, um, for many years. Uh, I, I think one thing in your story really, really um, is important, especially for young people. Uh, I, have a, I have another program called Young Catholics Respond, <laughs> another program on, on Patrick Hart Ministry, and um, one, of the, one of the things I like to talk about uh, on there as well is the, is, is, is the response of young people to God, mm-hmm. and, and I think your story uh, really highlights that, but it highlights it in a unique way. Because when, when you're talking about um, this encounter that you had with, with your friend, I mean, I think so many high schoolers, I think so many high schoolers do not have that privilege of, of being, and it really is a grace and a privilege from God to be able to have that experience, mm-hmm. right? And, and as, as you kind of highlighted, well, you know, I'm worried about going back, you know, and not starting in the game, you know, tonight. There are so many young people that don't have a deep experience of, of the Lord, that, that they can't express, um, you know, how the Lord is walking with them through their minor difficulties in, throughout, their, throughout their day. And I think that that's such an important uh, thing for young people to recognize, how do young people... Uh, know that the Lord is walking with them, you know, and, and, you know, the Lord was uh, very generous to uh, you in saying, all right, I'm going to speak to her in a big way here, but, but the majority of young people uh, out there, unfortunately, just kind of drift through their high school years chasing after, you know, I've got to start in the game, I've got to have these great grades so I can go to college, I can get a great job, and I get married, and I can repeat this process all over again without necessarily seeing the beauty of God working in their life each and every day. And so uh, I I I thank you for witnessing to uh, the fact that God did did and does walk with you <laughs> uh, each and every day, um, you know even even in your young uh, even in your young life. I think that's such a beautiful witness. Um, but but my question is how how do you and in, in your experience how uh, have have you seen the Lord uh, enter into other other young people's lives?
3: When I was able to be um, a high school teacher for eleven years, that was an incredible blessing to me. I got to work with young people every day. I mean, I saw them every day, and I got to teach them as freshmen. <clears throat> so then I saw them every year for the next, hmm. you know, three years after they passed my class. And something that I have come to feel very, very strongly about <clears throat> is that, and I know that is true, is that the Catholic Church has the most beautiful truths on the on heaven and earth. I um, It's God's revealed truth. And there's nothing more beautiful than God's truth, but people aren't seeing it. And so it's not a matter of what we're teaching. It's how are we teaching it? And when I was fresh out of college, I was uh, very zealous, I guess you could say, in getting people to, oh, they've just got to learn the doctrine because it's beautiful Uh, because when I was in high school, I found the love of God. When I was in college, I discovered the meaning behind the truth of our faith. And I'm like, how could people not love this? I just couldn't understand how people couldn't fall in love with the teachings of the church. So then I thought when I started teaching, oh, if they could just hear the truth, like in its entirety, because there were so many misconceptions that even I had as a product of Catholic school. And going to my church's CCD program, I still had an incorrect understanding of some of the teachings of the church. So I thought if we could just get in their teachings. So the first few years, I think I made a pretty big mistake in just like hammering doctrine into their heads. I was like, if they know it, they're going to love God. And that wasn't happening. (laughs) So I was like, (laughs) what's going on? Like, how can people not love this? And then I had to rely very heavily on my experience of Katie, that I came to the love of Jesus through a person. And I saw that his presence in her life transformed everything. And I'm convinced more now than ever that our young people, really anybody, they need to see that the presence of God in our lives changes us. Because if it doesn't, then they're just seeing like facts that don't mean anything. Yes. You know, and so then it really started to change the way that I taught my homeschool, or not my homeschoolers, but I taught my, my school-age kids, my high schoolers, um, is really trying to connect with them on a personal level. And I would share stories, and um, it, came known, it became known as like SEBA story time in class. <laughs> They're like, do you have another story? And I would tell them all kinds of stories, how And one time I got in a fender bender on the way to class and I was all frazzled when I got there. And I'm like, y'all, I just need like five minutes. I'm just, I'm frazzled. I want to cry. Um, I just need, and they were so kind. They're like, Oh, are you okay? Um, and man, the way my high schoolers blessed my life has just been incredible. Can I share one story about my high schoolers? Yeah, Absolutely. So uh, we were watching um, years ago doing the best Advent ever that Matthew Kelly does, Dynamic Catholic. And um, I was just showing them the videos that was a part of our Advent reflection. And they're like, Miss Diva, you should do videos like that. I'm like, oh, man, I would love to do videos. I think that'd be so great. And sort of the whole theme of that Advent was um, dream by doing, you know, do the things that you're called to do and perfect those things. And I told them I was like, "Oh, that would be great! I would love to do that." So they they did a collection to build me to so that I could buy a camera, so that I could start a vlog, <laughs> so that I could do videos. And in in that little, um, they gave me a little card with the money in it and a, on a little piece of paper, they signed their names and they said, Siba, dream by doing. We hope that this can get you started on your vlog." And they gave me really colorful pencils. I mean, the girls did, you know, those gel pens uh, and some paper to jot down notes and show ideas. And uh, yeah, and so now I do some podcasts for my work. <laughs> I'm doing videos and talking and I will never forget um, how excited they are. And I think I don't think high schoolers our young people are as complicated as as sometimes we make it. Uh, they just I do think not just them, but I think everyone wants to do something extraordinary. I think deep down in our hearts, everyone desires um, to do something great in this world to leave a mark or an imprint. We want to be extraordinary. Uh, we want our lives to mean something. Yes, and they amen. They just have to be. They just have to be told that your life does mean something. But what they've been fed about what makes their life important is counterfeit you know, to the truth and helping them navigate through all of that was just such a blessing. And, um, I found that if I just love them and I was authentic, the way they received that and the care that they showed for me, um, I mean, even when we adopted two of our children and I asked them to pray for us through that process and they did every day, they were asking for updates about how the adoption was going. They threw me a baby shower (laughs) Uh, I mean, yeah, they're just so thoughtful. It was beautiful. And I don't think it's anything that I was doing. I just think that they were experiencing relationship, you know, love of of Christ. And um, I'm so grateful for my experience with those kids. So if they're watching to all of those um, high schoolers, you know, dream by doing, thank you. And I love you.
1: (laughs) That's so beautiful.
2: It really is. Thank you so much. And it says so much about the love that you had for them. It makes such a difference because when we want to evangelize and as you said, have this heart for people to know God and his, his truths, but the love is where it's all connected. The friendship and the love is where it happens. I know Bill understands that because he was involved in youth ministry also for so many years.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're 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 spot on. I have I have so many notes. I I people that know that I'm live on the radio. When I'm live on the radio, I just take notes and I write down uh, so many things uh, that I, you know people are saying, to, so uh, we can continue to have a you know a flowing conversation. But there's so many great uh, points that you made, uh, and and I just feel that you know uh, how how you said high schoolers are probably a lot simpler. Then we make them, you know, out to be. Oh, they've got these complicated emotions. They've got. You're, you're right. You know, on some level, they have that. But they're also just simply want to be, and they want to, and they want to learn. They want to grow, and they want to know the Lord. Uh, you know, they have a hunger for the Lord, uh, and. And they have a hunger for action too, you know. I think I think when you get into that age where your body's starting to physically mature a little bit too, it's like, you know what? I can actually now do. I can work. I can go out. I can do mission trips. I can go and serve the Lord in a, in a unique way. Once I get to know him, I want to do something with this. It's not, and it's that it's that call to be extraordinary. But it's not, it's not the uh, as you said counterfeit mentality. Uh, it's not this, okay, I'm just going to go out and, you know, I, I always call it a social script. I know Anne's heard me <laughs> say that many times on the program, but yes. you know, <laughs> it really is a social script. Like we have to, okay, go to high school and we have to get really good grades because if once then we can go get in really good grades in college and maybe we'll play college athletics and maybe then we'll uh, graduate, we'll get a really good job, we'll meet somebody, we'll get married We'll and, and we'll repeat this process all over again. You know, even my daddy, he would call it, uh, you know, money time when it came to grades. He'd be like, you know, this is money time. I'm like, yeah, it is. You're right. I got to get good grades. I mean, it's important, you know. But there's something, yeah, it's, it, it, now as like a 35-year-old, I'm like, did my did my high school history class really, really make a difference that I got an A in it? Like, like or it was the fact that I went on all these mission trips and that I helped the poor and that I helped other people uh, and I and I grew and I learned about my faith. I think that's the extraordinary thing that we can call people to, not that okay this social script that I've got to follow. You know, uh, I've I've lost jobs. I've been you know unemployed. I'm an Uber driver. I started my own ministry. I mean, I can tell you my story, right? And God's grace is all over it. So it's beautiful to hear yours and that uh, each of our stories uh, can be unique. And I just want to know, uh, where. so where does a story lead from there after high school, teaching high school?
3: Um, so after teaching high school, and I do want to throw one more bit in here as far as my high school experience before we move on. Uh, and I didn't start doing this until later in my teaching career. But I came to realize that, although it should have been maybe evident, that our high schoolers just weren't reading the Bible. <laughs> And so we would start off. Uh, I started doing teaching them Lexio Divina, reading scripture, and I was like, okay, well, we'll do this once a quarter. <laughs> so now looking back at it, I'm laughing at myself. I'm like, once a quarter, I'm their religion teacher, you know. But I was still struggling with. But we got to get in class and do our do our doctrine, you know. We got to study our our faith. So then I started when I would do evaluations at the end of the year it started to strike me how many students wrote about how they enjoyed that. They're like, you know, I've never really prayed or really read the Bible by myself. So then I was like, oh, well, we'll do it every month. (laughs) I still wasn't getting the clue. So we would go into the chapel every month. And then they would say, again, the next year at um, evaluations, they would say, I just love that. And so then I was like, well, we'll do it every two weeks. And then every week, and then I was like, okay, well we can go every day if y'all want. And there were so many times that they desired that, but they didn't even know, they didn't even know that they were desiring it. And so I made them keep up with like Alexio Divina journal and um, what they were reading. And that was powerful to me. And I, I'm ashamed that it took me so long to realize um, that they needed that. Then They need to sit with Jesus. And when they are in our presence, if we're not bringing them to Jesus, if we think the most important thing that they're gonna do when they're with us is to listen to us, I mean, I, I am convinced that when young people come to our church, there should never be a time in our faith formation that we are not bringing them into the presence of Christ. Mm. Because then, I mean, really, what does that teach them? Does it teach them that study is more important than being with Jesus? Does it teach them that, Hey, Christ is right in the chapel over there, but we're going to stay in the gym to do this. Like, even if it's five minutes, you know, we don't spend hours just talking to our friends all the time. Sometimes it's a quick text, like, Hey, how you doing a check-in. And when we can start to see Jesus as that person for us, um, that if we're in the vicinity of where he physically is, we need to go there. We need to take our kids. Uh, Because when we don't, what are our actions saying? Because I don't remember. I really don't remember a lot of things that were taught to me in Catholic school. (laughs) Um, I mean, some things I do. I'm not saying I had bad teachers and that they didn't love me. But I do think if they had said at the beginning of every class, we're going to go say hi to Jesus, that habitual practice would have said something.
1: Oh, absolutely. Does that make
3: sense? Oh,
1: my gosh, Gosh. yes. (laughs) Yes.
3: And
2: to me, it goes back to your story about Katie and the end of her life and as she's trying to breathe, but still living God and loving and bringing that love to you. And if you think about it, those interactions that we have with people every day of our lives, whether it's at church, at home, in the neighborhood, that's where what we learn in the Bible and all of our catechesis, right? Bill and I often say on this show that Part of catechesis is is just that. I mean, it is the way that we interact, how we love others. It isn't just knowing those facts and making that checkbox that, yes, I, I received all of my sacraments and I go to mass every week, mm-hmm. even though that that is the, the highlight of our faith is receiving the Eucharist and attending mass. But we live it, right? We have to live it with uh, with those people that we interact with.
3: Yep, said it so absolutely. Well. Yeah, said so well.
2: It's true. Yeah, what a blessing. Now, I thought we could talk, if we could, also about St. Philip Institute, because that's kind of where it all comes together for you right yeah. now in your life. Yep. And it's an amazing website. Again, for people listening, it's stphilipinstitute.org. There's only one L in Philip, but it's truly an amazing uh, ministry of faith formation, working with children, youth, adults, the sacraments, catechesis, engagement, marriage, NFP. I mean, I'm just reading some of the things on the website. So please tell us more about your role.
3: Absolutely. Again, this was a whole God move. I mean, I thought I was going to be in a high school classroom for the rest of my life, which would have been a gift for me. And by God's crazy design, which is probably too long of a story right now. Um, we were introduced to Bishop Joseph Strickland, who is the Bishop of the Diocese of Tyler. And if anyone has a chance, I highly recommend that you read his vision, but he wrote the constitution on teaching the Catholic faith for the diocese. And that is where the St. Philip Institute was born. Sort of uh, basically our role is to fulfill the constitution written by the Bishop. So we are the teaching arm of the diocese, but we also Hope to extend to the you know beyond the diocese as well, but our main concern is taking care of the people within the diocese. But also to know that um, Catholics just um, we want to share the truth with anyone who wants to listen, uh, and for them to find resources. <clears throat> and when I read the constitution on teaching, I was floored. I mean, I it just it set a fire in my soul, and I was like, wow, this is going to be that's amazing. I thought it was a bold vision. Um, it was very clear, but, you know, quite challenging in the things that it set forth to accomplish. And, but my heart was burning. It was sort of like the apostles on the way to Emmaus. Their hearts were burning within them. So as I'm reading this document, I'm like, oh, to be a part of that would be amazing. And again, sort of crazy a line of events sort of led us to, um, to Bishop Strickland's office. And we got to talk to him, my husband and I. And then I was interviewed by a wonderful priest um, who was directing the faith formation office at the time uh, for this job as a catechetical specialist for development of curriculum for the youngest of our Catholics, so from ages zero to twelve. And I had never taught that age group before, and I thought, oh, I'm not going to get it. I'm not qualified for this. And I got it.
2: <laughs>
3: oh, and, okay. I know. And so uh, I did something I've never done before. I wrote a baptism curriculum. Uh, that we're using within the diocese and part of the the bishop's goal is that all of our teaching materials are standardized and we do that for a number of reasons first the bishop knows what everyone is being taught you know so he can um, have conversations about that bring that up in homilies or talks he knows where his people are and what materials they're learning from and so he wants to standardize all of our teaching materials so we've written some of our own Um, Or we've taken some from other publishers and saying, this is what we're using for this age. So we do produce some of our own products. So we have the baptism formation um, called the Way of the Holy Family, which is what I wrote. Uh, The Way of Christ, uh, which is our RCIA program. We have a Way of Christ for Teens, uh, the first installment uh, called To Whom Shall I Go? All about like prayer um, written by wonderful priest, Father Justin Braun. Um, we do things like podcasts and teaching catechists how to teach. Uh, we're just trying to be in there. I guess our, our main mission is to encounter um, people where they are, accompany them, and offer them the teachings of the faith, uh, the beauties of the faith in whatever state in life they're in. And that's hard to do. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's a you know, wonderful mission. Uh,
3: because you're one little office, you know, trying to reach out to hundreds of thousands of people. Um, but our team is amazing. I mean, we just have such a great team and, and I even love sort of the origin of the mission. So, um, it's after St. Philip, the evangelist, not St. Philip, the apostle. And so you find this story in Acts chapter eight, verses 26 through 40. It's a beautiful story of, uh, Philip. He sees this Ethiopian sitting in his chariot, reading like a scroll and the spirit said to Philip. "'Go up and join his chariot.'" So Philip ran up to him and heard him reading from the prophet Isaiah, and he asked him, "'Do you understand what you are reading?' And the Ethiopian said, "'How can I unless someone guides me?' So he invited uh, Philip to come and sit with him in the chariot, and then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture that he was reading, uh, told him the good news of Jesus." And so as they went along the road, they came to some water and the Ethiopian said, see, here's water. Like, I want to get baptized. And um, they stopped the chariot. Uh, this Ethiopian is baptized by Philip in the water. And this is the part that I found fascinating and sort of where one of the podcasts that I do sort of um, the name for it and the mission for it kind of spring up is after this Ethiopian came out of the water. And. Um, Philip was taken up. So the Ethiopian doesn't see him anymore. And then he went on his way, rejoicing. And my coworker and I, Deanna Johnston, she does the family life ministry. Uh, we're like, man, we want to do this podcast because it's one thing to know the teachings of the faith and to encounter Christ and his truth. And then we can go off rejoicing. And then what, <laughs> what happens when we get back into our home? What happens? Cause life is messy. Mm-hmm. And I think we all know that. And sometimes it can be very challenging to take these eternal truths of Christ and like live them in the everyday. Yeah. It's all about
2: mission, can, right? Mission. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm.
3: And that can be hard sort of navigating those, those choppy waters. And um, so we have a podcast called Life Beyond the Chariot. So after we experience these truths, like what does that look like in the messiness of family life? Um, she has four little ones that are five and under. So what does that look like as a working mom of five children or four children that are young? Um, you know, what does that, uh, look like for stay at home moms, working moms? We, we do a lot from a mom perspective, but, uh, but it can really apply to anyone cause it can be hard. Yeah. Yes. Um,
1: yeah, that, that's awesome. And I think, uh, when you look at that, um, Mickey, as a, as a, um, what a, what a beautiful mission because, you know, I was just thinking as I'm listening to you, uh, Man, I think I'm probably about as good as a baseball player, you know, li- living the teachings about one in every five swings I get a hit, you know what I mean? And it's like uh, you <laughs> uh-huh. know it's like it's like, I, yeah, you know, it's like, okay, here I am doing this daily thing. We can go to these big conferences. We can go to these moments. we can have these things it's like, yeah, I'm really close to the faith there. You know, I can do oh I you know, I can do my podcast for it for an hour. I can do a radio show for now. I can talk about Jesus, but man, when it comes to coming back and living it, I'm probably batting right above the Mendoza line. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, that's really what I don't know
2: is. about that, Bill. <laughs> You're doing pretty well. I
1: know, <laughs> and I talk to you often. I know, I know. But I'm just saying, you know, I mean, but, 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 I, but I do think, I think there's people out there that, that, that need that encouragement, you know, my, my, yes. myself included, right? Nobody's going to go out there and bat a thousand. It's just not gonna happen. Mm. Nobody's gonna go out there and bat a thousand. And thank God we have the grace of the sacraments, especially reconciliation, the Eucharist. I mean thank God we have those things as Catholics to lean back on and rely on. But but we but but we need the daily encouragement. We need podcasts. We need uh the 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 institutes that help us form our our faith, right? The Saint Philip Institute. We need these groups of people that say, All right, you know what? This is about being in the trenches and living, you know, living it as your kid is stirring Cheerios against the wall. You know, like we like we need to know how to live our faith in those moments, not just the pretty ones where we're all dressed up on Sundays uh, for Mass.
3: Right, uh, I think that sometimes there's very evident ways about how we live our faith. You know, celebrating the sacraments, going to Mass. But again, what do you do when your kids throwing Cheerios. Um, (laughs) (laughs) you know, those things, or how do you, how do you handle certain situations in public when something's going on that, um, is against your faith, but how do I respond? You know, and a lot of these things require virtue, like prudence and and justice and fortitude. You know, what do we how do we live these things out? And I think sometimes the answer is not as clear as we want it to be. And we want it to slap us across the face. And and sometimes it doesn't. And we just have to pray. But I think that's God's beauty. I do. I think that's mm-hmm. God's beauty. Because if the answer was so clear, then how much would we consult the divine master? Um, and cling on him for, Lord, what do I do? Um, I need you. And, and that's ultimately our, our goal is to lead people to... To Christ and then, especially to Christ in the Eucharist, um, and trying to do that in all kinds of ways.
2: Um, yeah, Amen. Yeah. You, the Saint Philip Institute is really a unique organization, and I love the website and the work that you're doing. And just a shout out to anybody who's listening, whether they're an individual, we get a lot of like religious and priests and pastors and things that listen to the show too. So I want to make a shout out to them to reach out to you because there's great resources there for their churches. Tell us about that and uh, how they can benefit from starting to work with you.
3: Oh, absolutely. So we um, we have a very talented staff. And if you just go on our about page, so Dr. Stacey Trusenko, she's our um, scientist theologian, um, just written many things on, on the issue of science and faith. She's currently working on a book with another priest in our diocese. Eucharistic miracles, which I can't, and she's, she's a chemist. Um, And so her perspective is fascinating. Um, Our marriage and family life coordinator, Deanna Johnston, she's created this whole marriage process that people go through during engagement. And I think it's beautiful. My husband and I have been a mentor couple to two couples already going through the process. And it's beautiful because it is definitely that idea of accompanying and encountering Uh, encountering couples where they are and accompanying them through this process of engagement. And then beyond Um, Dr. Luke Arendondo is our director of faith formation and he's written books and gives talks and written many articles that have made it onto national Catholic register. And um, just, we just have a brilliant staff. And we also, this is also fascinating. We have an art fellow, Robert Pouchot's who he's like our artist in residence. And so he creates beautiful paintings. I mean, if you just go on our website and look at, um, look at his designs and um, his portraits and just trying to speak to people through beauty. And he's talked about the symbolism behind the paintings, like really trying to reach people through beauty, through truth and goodness. Um, and so we, I mean, we do have those products, but all of those are just driven by really the mission to fulfill the constitution, which is ultimately to have relationship with Christ and to recognize the, the gift of Christ in the Eucharist. And, um, you know, we have a, in our diocese, and I think there's only 13 dioceses that do this, but we celebrate the sacraments of um, baptism, confirmation and Eucharist in what's called restored order. So we have young people like seven, eight or nine who receive confirmation before they receive Eucharist. And so we even um, produced a little sacraments of initiation catechism, like how can you take these truths uh, for our children and, you know, teach them the doctrine without it being too much, you know, but to also make sure that we're forming them as disciples of Christ. And so our team works really well together, trying to make sure that these things are not independent products that we're all working toward the mission of Spreading the good news of Jesus. Because at the end of the day, if you make beautiful things, but they're not helping you form a relationship with Jesus, then what's the point?
2: Amen. <laughs> I went on your website to the store just out of curiosity because I thought people who are on this listening to this podcast, this they can see the great resources. If you if you go to the store, there's areas there for family life, faith formation, and Catholic media. So Definitely. Tell us more about those. So if somebody's, uh,
3: Oh no, okay. I lost y'all. Yeah, there you go. There you go. But we're found. It just went off. So <laughs> I'm yeah. sorry. So I didn't hear your last. I went into a little bit of a panic.
2: <laughs> oh, it's okay. I was looking at your website at the store and I noticed mm-hmm. that the different sections there I just wondered if somebody's listening and they're thinking, you know, I'd like to get something from them. Uh, whether it be your the family life section, faith formation, or Catholic media. So I guess it depends on what they're looking for, right? I mean, but tell us more about those resources for individual people who just would like to get something from St. Philip Institute.
3: Sure. Well, I would say probably the best place to start is um, uh, if you have Facebook, to go on our Facebook page because we link a lot of things there, but you can also find them on our website. But I would even start just with looking at our essays in um, our podcast so there's a few different podcasts and series that we have um, so we have the saint philip institute podcast which a lot of the times bishop joseph strickland is on there and our executive director dr stacy trusankos and they've had incredible guests recently um, so i would just start with you know people just want to you know, get their feet wet in what we do Um, I would start with the podcast because those are things that I listen to when I have to do things I don't enjoy, like dishes and laundry. (laughs) (laughs) You know, those things when I'm already tied down and I can't move. I'll turn on podcasts. Reading essays. Uh, If you're an adult and you just want to learn the basics of the faith, um, then the way of Christ um, is a great resource. It's sort of question, answer. And it's just like, here are the basic tenets of the faith. We use that as our RCIA program, but um, just reading through it, it's just very concise. If you want to know what are the teachings of the church, um, the way of if you're looking for something for your teenagers, the way of Christ for teens. Um, and I've gotten to work with Father Braun closely, and just one of the holiest priests that I know. And so, the other day, he was giving um, our staff a staff retreat, a day of recollection. Uh, and I was asking him, like, sometimes it just seems like there's so many things to do in ministry. Like, how do you know which problem to uh, sort of attack first and pursue? And his answer was brilliant. He said, well, don't do anything without bringing it to Jesus first. You should not start any project before you pray about it. And for some reason, that just struck me. I was like, uh, "That seems so obvious," but I think sometimes you can just like dive into like, "Oh, this is a good idea, fix this problem." But do we ask the question, "Should I do it? Like, is this what God wants me to do at this moment in time?" And so, his book, "The Way of Christ for Teens," um, I, I think his heart leads that way. And so, um, and that's something that we try to do. Like, what is God? What is God leading us to do as an institute? Um, because we know that the church is, we need help, Um, Mm -hmm. and people just, um, they need to know the teachings, they need to be encouraged, they need to be taught, but they also need to know that life is messy, and we get it, (laughs) and Mm -hmm. we're not just a bunch of perfect people who are awesome Catholics (laughs) who never struggle, you know, that the idea that that life is hard, and we want to meet you where you are. Um, Good points,
2: very good points. I just was thinking too with the pandemic that we've all been through that St. Philip Institute is probably a very good resource for people to learn as their home more as they're as you say emptying the dishwasher or you know <laughs> spending more time doing home stuff.
3: So. Yeah. Yeah, you know it's been interesting I think for anyone in ministry during this pandemic time. I mean when everything else was shut down our office even though we were all working from home really geared up we're like how do we now work with the the paradigm shift of faith formation and so many people were relying and i'm not saying it's bad but so many people were relying on like their parishes and being able to physically go to their parishes get faith formation and like what now what do we do with that and so a lot of our focus has sort of shifted into the whole idea of like really building up the domestic church really building up families like how can we equip and walk with families, which again is really hard to do because it's like walking with individual families and every family has a different set of dynamics. So that's something that we're trying to do. Um, We're having live faith formation classes for, for young people and parents hopefully join us and are invited and, um, but really trying to figure out like, how can we, in the education of the children, bring the parents in when they're not, this whole idea, you know, when they're not physically together with other families or with their parish during this faith formation time. And it's a big goal, but we're committed to it. And uh, like how can we do that? Build up the domestic church. And I think we've all become most most convinced of the fact that we gotta help we have to help families. Gotta help families.
2: That and so in other words, I'm sure that your organization always focuses on the church too, but You know what, when we come to a place like a pandemic, you realize that really and truly it starts in the home and, and especially right at this exact moment in time. Yeah. I want to make a shout out to all of those people who are working in church ministry to go to your website. Cause I mean, there's so many great resources. As I told you at the beginning of the podcast, my own daughter is a director of religious education and I'm definitely going to tell her about it because her her church can benefit from learning more about St. Philip Institute. Oh, well and thank you. All of the great wonderful resources that are there. I noticed that there's even a section with sacred art paintings and prints. Tell us about mm-hmm. that because maybe somebody who's listening to this podcast is thinking, you know, the holidays aren't that far away. <laughs> it's it's a good gift, isn't it? I mean,
3: oh man. Um it's great. So, there. Yeah. Robert um Pouchard's, and he's young and he's I think Robert, I'm sorry if I get your age drama he's in his early 30s, early 30s, and very talented, and the symbolism that he puts into his work, it's beautiful, and um, I think on our Facebook page, we have little videos of where he explains certain symbolism within the paintings, um, but he has Madonna of the Roses, and um, uh saint michael that he's done the immaculate conception which the original one is in our cathedral now the cathedral of the immaculate conception there in tyler and we have many of his prints here at our house um and they're just beautiful and they're it is a way to sort of meditate so you know lexio divina you meditate on scripture um you can meditate on these sacred paintings and one of the things that I really encourage every family to do is what in your house speaks of the presence of the sacred? Uh, because we should be, we should be surrounded by the sacred in our every day. And I think in our homes, but whichever way you choose to do that, um, is there a sign of the sacred in every room? You know, do you have a prayer altar? Do you have, um, Are there multiple times in the day where you can just look and you're reminded of the sacred and the presence of Christ or the the presence of the saints in your everyday? I know I need those reminders all the time, you know, so if I'm losing my patience with my children and there's, you know, a picture of the blessed virgin, I'm like, okay. (laughs) No, I
2: love that. That's such a good reminder. I'm glad you brought that up because especially now, as, as I was saying a few moments ago with being home more for people who are educating their kids from home because we're still coming out of this pandemic. Isn't mm-hmm. it a great reminder? I would say to them, please do check out the sacred art paintings and prints at SaintPhilipInstitute.org Philip Institute.org. Yeah, sure.
3: He does beautiful work. Um, yeah. We're very blessed to have him on staff.
2: And also it says book, there's a books and gifts section there. Can you talk about that? Cause I'm looking, wow, there's a lot there for people. Yes,
3: there are. And, and we, we're adding to it every day. And I have to admit, I don't remember our recent books on there. Um, but I know our uh, faith formation director, Luke Arandano, um, co-wrote a book about the Fatima prayer, um, rosaries uh, on there. We have our catechetical materials. So our baptism program, the RCIA program, the uh, teen program, I'm trying to think if there's anything that I'm missing on there. Um, but yeah, a lot of those things are the things that we have produced, um, just in our experience and talking to parishes and what would be helpful. And I think the great thing too, about the materials and the products that we produce is that, um, we can give the parishes, um, the most specific and detailed help that we can, you know, cause we know the program in and out the thought process that went into designing the program. And we also listen um, to our parishes and our priests or people like, hey, this would be helpful. And so trying to, because we're not saying that everything that we write is without flaw. And if you adopt this program, everyone's <laughs> going to love the Catholic <laughs> faith. I mean, that's not what we're preaching. Um, but we tr- do try to bring sort of the expertise that we have and the resources and, and the thought behind um, information that we've gathered from from our our priests and local parishioners. Um, and so if anyone has those products, like we can give help and assistance, we can give talks on it. Um, we can, you know, do like online retreats on it. Uh, Oh my gosh,
2: that's awesome.
3: Yeah. That's so good really to know. About Contacting our office. And then if we have the time and we pray about it and it's something we're called to do, we'd be more than happy to, you know, fulfill that mission. Um,
2: how can they reach out to you, Mickey? for that? Uh, they
3: can. So there's a lot of different emails. Um, they can reach out to me. So it's um, mceba at stphilipinstitute.org is my email. Um, if you go to our about page, you'll see all of the members on there. So uh, if you want something with faith and science, you know, Dr. Stacey Trusenko her email is there, but it's usually our uh, initial first initial, our last name, and then at org. If you want us to try to bring on a certain guest, or you have an idea for a podcast, uh, you can email us at podcast at stphilipinstitute.org. Uh, Cause the last thing we want to do is just talk about things that we like, <laughs> if it's not something that people need to hear, you know? Um, so we do, we like to hear, we're trying to really build up our audience, not really build them up, but like communicate with them. We want them to know that it's a relationship and if there's things that they want to hear about, um, um, we've tried to bring on some, some other speakers, like the first one was last night, but we have Carl Broussard from Catholic Answers mm-hmm. who's doing the Protestant Challenge, and so um, it's going to be a live webinar course. The first one was last night. Um, I don't know as far as registration, but if people want to check that out. Um, so we're trying to team up with people and really um, really just be a time for, for people to engage in the faith, even if they're sitting in the comfort of their
2: own homes. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, you have so much to offer, honestly. So again, I know we're headed toward the end of the podcast. Invite people to go to stphilipinstitute.org. There's only one L in Philip. They have so much there on the website. And we're listening to Mickey Skiba from right outside of Dallas, Texas. Uh, do you have any final words for, for our listeners, especially those who need sort of a boost in their faith and learning more about the whole catechesis part of you know, in, enriching ourselves so we know more about the Catholic Church and what we really do believe?
3: Uh, the first bit of advice I would give is just to be patient with yourself. Um, I mean, as, as humans and our weaknesses, um, it can be easy. I find that it can be easy to be discouraged. And to, to, try not to do that and then really try to pinpoint what is, what is the thing I want to learn most about? Cause if you try to tackle all of them at once, for me, it's like trying to run a marathon, even though I haven't really walked, <laughs> you know, uh, or trying to go in, in instead of a couch to 5k, just starting for a marathon. Sometimes for me, that's a bit too much. Uh, so, um, just getting your feet wet. Uh, what is it that you would like to know more about? Um, uh, reading scripture, getting to know the heart of Christ. Um, I mean, there's nothing that can replace that. There's no, there's no talk or no podcast or no video that can replace the presence of God in our lives. So first, if you're not reading the Bible every day, um, even meditating upon the words of Jesus, that's where I would start. Uh, and then from there, just asking God, like, what what is it that I can do to learn your heart more? Cause it's ultimately what the church does and the truth, right? God reveals more and more of who he is through the truth that he has revealed. And the more that we can learn about his truth, um, the more we can have a stronger relationship with him. So yes, having a relationship with Christ is important, but he also gave us the gift of the church. So we can't neglect either one. We can't neglect the life of Christ for the sake of just church teaching, but we also can't neglect church teaching and just focus on our relationship with Christ. They go hand in hand and they're interconnected and you can't have one without the other. And so I know it's a large task, uh, but to not get discouraged in that God loves you no matter what. And um, just... Amen. Yeah.
1: Yeah, beautiful stuff. Uh, Mickey, we definitely have to have you back on. Uh, you have such an amazing... Um, Amazing way of, uh, you know, relaying the faith, uh, both your personal witness is powerful, but uh, but all of your expertise in ministry. So thank you so much for being with us today and taking uh, time out of your morning to be with us here on uh, the Sewing Hope podcast.
3: Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. Um, I have thoroughly enjoyed it.
1: <laughs> awesome. Thank you
3: from me, too, here in Philadelphia. <laughs>
1: awesome. Thank you. Uh, well, folks, uh, as we wrap up, I want to remind you to head over to uh, Patchwork Heart Ministries website, patchworkheart.org, and uh, get your free copy of the Fearless Scriptural Rosary, uh, again, for these times during this pandemic and uh, all, all, everything else that's going on in our world. Uh, we need to put our trust in God fully, and that Fearless Scriptural Rosary will help you do that. Uh, so head over to our website. You'll see it pop up. You just enter your email right there, and you'll get a free copy of that in your inbox. So don't forget to check that out. Uh, and uh, and thank you so much for joining us as always here. Uh, and thank you for uh, always being here and uh, and being with us. It's uh, it's been a great thank you, Bill. Uh, yeah. And
2: thank you, Mickey. <laughs> thank you.
1: All right, folks. Well, uh, thank you again for joining us, no matter how you've been listening to us. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we'll be back on Thursday uh, at 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. Until then, keep beating to your Catholic heart and sowing hope into broken hearts. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sewing Hope on Patchwork Heart Radio. For more information about this podcast, and our ministries. Visit our websites, patchworkheart.org and andesantis.com. You can also follow and interact with us on Twitter at PWH Ministry or Andesantis2.
0: Patchwork Heart Ministry and Fiat Ministry Network invite you to Discover Your Mission. A brand new in-depth monthly video series featuring engaging Catholic speakers who will challenge you to live your life abundantly. For only $25 a month you'll receive a personal monthly mission including three full-length inspirational talks that build upon a new theme each month. Sign up for the Discover Your Mission tier. At patreon.com slash patchwork ministry today.